Good evening, and welcome Lost to... Radio. Good evening, and welcome to another Sound Doctrine broadcast with uh, Dr. Ventura, and we're using uh, Blog Talk Radio's Joseph Gibson's platform this evening. He's been kind enough to give us a spot on here on Tuesdays and Fridays. Uh, uh, his uh, station is... Uh, Restored in the Republic, and uh, we want you to know that uh, our opinions may necessarily agree with his opinions. His may not agree with ours, but the Bible we agree on. Uh, we were studying the book of Daniel, and we got all the way down to chapter 4. And I'm excited tonight to be with you. I'm grateful that you've tuned in tonight, and I hope that this lesson this evening will help you to better understand the book of Revelation, the book of Matthew, and to the power of God. In, in the kingdoms of the earth Nebuchadnezzar as we had studied We said that Nebuchadnezzar was a type of the Antichrist And we went through where he, he called God You know, uh, uh, Elion, you know, the most high God and uh, Or one who's supreme And so uh, if you look down here chapter 4 uh, we'll we'll just read a few verses and then we'll talk about. I'll give you a little introduction here to chapter four because it's very important for you. Uh, let's see. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, unto all people and nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to shew the signs and wonders that the high God has wrought towards me. How great are his signs, and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. Nebuchadnezzar was at rest. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest. This is Nebuchadnezzar writing this. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in mine house and flourishing in my palace. And I saw, I saw a dream which made me afraid. And the thoughts on my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Amen. Now, what I want you to see is uh, when we uh, study this chapter 4, you're going to find that Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and then we're going to find out that there's an interpretation thereof to it. Now, there's four things that we see in chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and then we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar's confession for the sin of pride. And then the third thing you're going to see is the explanation and the course of Nebuchadnezzar's insanity. And the lesson is, in this case, God made him mad, made him insane, and no psychiatrist could help Nebuchadnezzar. You know, the devil can make a man insane. Did you know that? Psychology would be what the Bible calls a science falsely so-called. Amen. Praise Jesus. You know, most psychological problems are spiritual, in case you didn't know that. Uh, there's a lot of people with psychological problems. They, they have nothing to do uh, with uh, anything uh, mentally. It's a spiritual problem. If you remember over there in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, let me read you a verse. Uh, Jesus said, you know, uh, oh, he, he called them a generation of vipers 
And, and he said, how can he being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You see, out of the abundance of the heart. In Luke 6, 4 and 5, Luke chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, and, and you don't have to go there if you don't want to, but I'm, I'm going to go there. You can write them down and check them out. We only have an hour program. And, uh, you know, Jesus, uh, he healed many people. And uh, uh, in in 4 and 5, he dealt with that man with the withered hair. But remember that he dealt with that person that was insane, that that fellow whose son would throw himself in the fire and you know it was a demonic it was a demonic thing that that child was demonically influenced and uh, uh he would harm himself and when jesus cast that spirit out of him the bible says that that spirit tore him you know it's bad enough the devil's been tormenting him all this time and then when he's getting cast out to leave him he he tears him one more time just to you know like get even i'm out and the fourth thing we're going to learn tonight is the record of Nebuchadnezzar's conversion from idolatry to the true God. Now, verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar the king unto all people. This, this is an official state decree. Nebuchadnezzar is the king, and he's making an official statement, and it's official doctrine. And uh, he's the writer, and he's telling everybody, I want you to hear my testimony. See, every people, every nation, every language, which are under his domain. And he says, peace be multiplied unto you. You know, this is something, something happened to Nebuchadnezzar. He's become a, a new man. Remember, when he threw Daniel in chapter 3, 13 and 19, he was full of rage and fury and threw him in that fiery furnace. But now he's writing peace unto you. So something's changed in Nebuchadnezzar's life. He's learned something. Uh, verse number two says, I thought it good to shew the signs and wonders that the high God has wrought toward me. Signs and wonders. You know, Bible in the Bible, signs and wonders were basically for the Jewish people. First Corinthians one twenty two says the Jews require a sign. You know, all the new Bibles have changed that to they request a sign. No, they require a sign. You see, Moses is standing there before the burning bush, and Moses has got his five excuses, you know, which most Christians use. Uh, oh, they won't listen to me. Uh, who am I? I don't have a good speech. You know, they sure knew, sure knew how to yell across the bar, Budweiser, you know, uh, but they can't speak for God. And now that they're converted. But the Jews required a sign, and that's why God told Moses before the burning bush, Put that stick down, and it turned into a snake. And then he said, put that, your hand into your breast and pull it out. And it was left, took it out, and it was, it was okay, you see. And, and so these were signs. And the signs were when you go down to Jerusalem, when you go down to Egypt and you see the people Israel, you show them these signs and they'll believe you. So signs were particularly for Jewish people. And, and those people who, who uh, you know, counterfeited with these counterfeit Bibles, they changed one. 1 Corinthians one twenty two, and they changed it to say the Jews request a sign. No, they require a sign. A Gentile does not require a sign. Uh, you and I did not get saved if you're saved by signs. We got saved by hearing the word of God. Amen? We didn't require a sign, you see. And so uh, here you have, you know, you start seeing signs and wonders. You start looking around for a Jew. Amen? You know, and charismatic 
you know, the charismatic movement thinks that's for today. And and so, you know, they, they work up a, a, a psychopathic tongues. But, and that's a lesson for another day. Let's go to verse 3. How great are his signs? This is Nebuchadnezzar speaking about God. And how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion is from generation to generation. You see, in the trib, when Moses and Elijah are on the earth, and they're calling down fire to destroy the enemies, the Gentiles will get to see that. And they're going to get the benefit from those signs and wonders. And Nebuchadnezzar says his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You know, the millennium kingdom is a is a kingdom. We studied that in Daniel 2.44. All right? And Christ is still reigning over the kingdom after a thousand-year reign, that millennium reign. Jesus Christ is still over the new heaven and the new earth. Now let's have a quick prayer, and we'll settle in. Holy Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you, God, for this opportunity to come together. And I ask you, God, tonight, if you would edify this thy people that have come to hear your word, Lord. God, they have not come to hear me. Father, they have come to hear you. Please set me aside. Let nothing come from me which is of my flesh. And let it all be of you for the glory of your Son. And we'll give you that glory, praise, and honor which you so deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's move down to verse number four. So here's the identity. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. And this is now about, oh, 570 B.C. And Nebuchadnezzar's going from conquering the world to building the kingdom of Babylon. You know, Babylon's, uh, you know, it's, it's made by Nebuchadnezzar into one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, in case you didn't know that. And, and what it was that made it one of the seven wonders of the ancient world was the hanging gardens and in order to please his wife in the center of the city he built this magnificent mountain made of pine trees and it was concrete slabs stacked up and hung there were hanging gardens and it was a magnificent it was the seventh one of the seven wonders and so you know he's sort of a he's kind of a rich fool if you would you know he's living sumptuously uh, without any care for anything, including God, you know he has he he's all that as the as the people would say today, he's all that. Verse number five, I saw a dream, which made me afraid, and the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. See now let me let me tell you something, my friends. God God knows how to get a person's attention. God knows how to get a person's attention, and he knows exactly what to do. And you know what? Some people need trouble in their lives so God can get their attention. And it's very it's very hard to trouble a guy who has everything. So God gets him personally. And Nebuchadnezzar says, I saw a dream. And in the Old Testament, dreams are a way that God spake to men. Uh, you can see that in Job. You would see that in Genesis. Okay, and, uh, you know, where the famine, Pharaoh had the dream about the famine. And so God communicated with people through those dreams. Today you have a, a completed revelation. It's called the Bible. And dreams today, God may use to bring a man to Christ, but not in this Old Testament sense. All right, verse number six says, Therefore made I a decree to bring all the wise men of Babylon 
before me, that they might make known unto me the interpretation of the dream. Now, Nebuchadnezzar is telling you a story here. He's had this dream, and it's troubled him. It's really bothered him. And he called all these magic men, you know, and uh, in, in, uh, he gets these soothsayers, you know, uh, they're truthsayers. And, you know, if you look in, uh, oh, say, the book of Acts and go to chapter 16 and look at verse 16. Acts 16 and 16, I'm getting there with you. Scripture says, and it came to pass, as we went to pray, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. You see, sus means truth, truthsayers. And, and, you know, and Paul's that Philippi when this happened. And if all she spake was lies, then her master couldn't make money, see? She had to have some truth. And, and you know, uh, uh, she's not getting it from God. She's getting it from a demon. Verse 17 said that she cried, saying, you know, these men are the servants of the most high God. And that was true. So, you know, that devil's trying to use Paul and Silas to associate them to, and to make the people think she's associated to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? Here's this demon preaching. Why? Because try, she's trying to trick the people, fool the people into thinking that Paul and Silas were, you know, uh, connected to her. Who's connected to this demon? Who's connected to her master? Who's making money from her saying? Verse number eight. But at the last, Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods, and before him I told the dream, saying, you know, Nebuchadnezzar says, according to my God, the name of my God, well, the name of his God is Bel, B-E-L, or Baal, see, not Daniel's God, and then he says about Daniel, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods, well, you know, there are gods, plural. And the Bible tells you that there are gods, but there's only one true God. First Corinthians chapter eight, verse number five, I'll clarify that for you in a, in a split second. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom is all things, and we in him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, and by whom are all things, and we by him. Amen? So there's really one God. And and at this point, Nebuchadnezzar's, you know, he's not converted yet. All right, verse number nine says, O Belteshazzar, master of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in thee, and no secret troubleth thee, amen, no secret troubleth thee, tell me the visions of my dream that I have seen and the interpretation Thereof. Verse number 10. O Belteshazzar, master of the magicians, I'm sorry, verse number 10. Thus were the visions of my head in my bed. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and the height thereof. So he saw a tree. And trees in the Bible represent kingdoms. Okay? And, and so you'll see in verse 22 here of chapter 4, you know, when he's interpreting it, he said, It is thou, O king, 
Thou art grown and become strong, for thy greatness is grown, and reaches on to heaven and thy dominion to the end of the earth. So, you know, that's part of that dream. It's a tree, you see. And now, uh, if you go to Ezekiel, and we're not going to go there, and you read verses 1 to 14, you're going to find out that in verse 5, all the trees represented kingdoms. And uh, in Ezekiel 17, 22 to 24, speaking of Israel being taken captive into Babylon, and the tree, Israel, being chopped off, cut off, you see? And so, uh, and then it talks about it being brought back into the land and being replanted to grow a tree again. You know, a high tree, it says. And so, you know, Israel's represented by, you know, three trees in the Bible. The vine tree. And the vine tree, you know, speaks of Israel's spiritual privileges. The fig tree is represents Israel's national privileges. And then you find the olive tree represents Israel's religious privileges. And so when you're reading about Israel and it's referred to as a vine tree, it's talking about it has something to do with its spiritual privilege. And when it's talking about Israel as a fig tree, it's talking about their national privilege. And when you get to the olive tree, it represents Israel's religious privilege. Three trees, you know, the, the, the vine tree, right? What's the vine tree? In Eden, you know, again, it represents spiritual privileges. So you have three, three things when you're reading the Bible to help you interpret it. If you want to look at that, you can go to uh, uh, Isaiah chapter, or excuse me, Psalm chapter 80, verses 8 through 11. And I'm not going to go there because uh, of time, but I'll give you the verses. You can write them down. Isaiah 5, 1, 2, and 7. And then Ezekiel 15, verse 1, and verses 4 to 6. And that shows Israel spiritual privilege, the vine tree. Then you get to the next thing is the fig tree. And, you know, you saw that in Matthew chapter 24, 27 through 34. Presents the national privilege. And then the olive tree, Jeremiah chapter 11, verses 16 and 17. And that represents Israel's religious privilege. So in regard to trees, God's got a lot to say about Israel, good men, bad men, and fruit. Now let's go to chapter 4, verse 11 of Daniel. The tree grew. Remember, this is his dream, and he saw it. The tree grew and was strong, and the height thereof reached unto heaven, and the sight thereof to the end of all the earth. The tree grew. So this is a large, strong tree, and it grew to the top was in the clouds. And all men could see it, the known world, talking about Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. Verse 12, the leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and it was meat for all. Now, meat in the Bible, my friends, is a generic term. Corn could be referred to as meat. It's not just steak and beef. Okay, it's a generic word in that sense. All right. And uh, the beasts of the field had shadow under it, and the fowls of heaven dwelt in the bows thereof, and all flesh was fed of it. 
Okay, so here you have beasts of the field had shadows under it. And, you know, men and nations are also like animals and beasts. In the United States, what do we have? It's represented by an eagle. Africa is represented by a leopard. And the world makes a connection between man and animal because they think man comes from an animal. But because of man's sin nature, he comes down to being like an animal. That's what happens when you're in sin nature. He doesn't come up from one. It's a downward movement. It's devolution. In Genesis 49.9, let me just go over there real quick with me. Uh, Genesis chapter 49.9, Scripture says, Judah is a lion's wealth from the prey. You see? And you notice it says that uh, verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. Judah, You know, uh, talking about Christ. But the Judah's represented by a lion. In verse 14, somebody's represented by a strong ass. In verse 17, a serpent. In verse 21, a deer, a kind. In verse 27, a wolf. This is in Genesis 49. Okay? In Philippians chapter 3, verse 2, what did the scripture say? There's dogs without, right? Look, let me go there real quick. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 2. Beware of dogs, see? Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. And so men can be referred to, you know, he's talking about beware of dogs. Beware of the works and the faith of those teachers. You know, we're going to learn in, when we get to Daniel chapter 7 about those great beasts. You know, there's a lion and a bear and a leopard and 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 uh, uh, dreadful with horns. And, and then there's four kings, and the beasts represent kings and kingdoms. And so beasts represent kings and kingdoms here. And when we get to Daniel 8, 3 through 5, we're going to find a ram, a he-goat. You know, that he-goat represents... Uh, um, The Greek comes from the East, Alexander the Great, you see? And so the fowls of the air, now fowls of the air are interesting because birds can represent spirits. And usually when you read about birds in or in the trees, they're usually unclean spirits. But a dove, a dove represents the Holy Spirit, a clean bird. And uh, an unclean bird will represent an evil spirit, and you can you can see that in Matthew chapter thirteen. I just don't want to tell you something; I want to show you something. In in, in Matthew thirteen, I don't, I'm not making this up. This is Bible. Matthew thirteen verse three, and he spake many things, saying unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth and sowed. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. And then when he gives the interpretation, he tells you, you know, it's the devil. Parable of the sower. You know, it could it, it could represent uh, Christianity in that sense. Uh, it became large and great, but evil spirits ended up, you know, in the tree. The corruption. Some people say that, you know, that's the uh, Roman Catholic Church, uh, Matthew 13. Now, Babylon is a habitation for devils. We know that. And and so will the Antichrist kingdom be, and they and and they'll find what they need in it too. Now let's look at uh, verse number 
13. And I saw in the vision of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher and a holy one came down from heaven. Now, a watcher and a holy one, well, they're one. Verse 14 says, and he cried aloud. So a watcher, you know, uh, uh, is an angel whose job is to oversee the affairs of men. And they are watching to see what men are doing. And there are spiritual beings. There are the cherubim, the seraphim, and there are angels. And we don't know if there's someone or something called a watcher, but believe in probably an angel, you see, because in verse 17, it talks about plural watchers, holy ones, and probably angels who, you know, ministering spirits. We know that angels are ministering spirits. Now, Jeremiah chapter 4, if you would, over to Jeremiah chapter 4 with me. And in uh, Jeremiah chapter 4, look at, look at uh, yeah, verse 16. And it shall come to pass when ye be multiplied and increase in the land, in those days, saith the Lord, they shall say no more the ark of the covenant of the Lord, neither shall it come to mind, neither shall they remember it, neither shall they visit it, neither shall that be done anymore. And uh, we're talking about watchers. You know, there's only two places that they're mentioned, and it's in... in uh, uh, and and I was in the wrong place. I apologize. Let me go to Jeremiah 4.16. I'm looking here and say, wait a minute, where's the watchers? Here's Jeremiah 4.16. Make ye mention to the nations, behold, publish against Jerusalem, the watchers come from a far country and give out their voice against the cities of Judah. And so there's only two places in the Bible where we find these watchers mentioned, and uh, it's in Daniel and Jeremiah. And if you know anything better than I do, well, you know, they're not aliens in that sense. You know, they're not coming with UFOs, all right? Let's go to verse 14 in uh, Daniel 4. He cried aloud and said thus, hew down the tree and cut off the branches, shake off his leaves and scatter his fruit under it and the fowls from his branches. All right, hew down the tree. That's judgment. That's judgment. You know, uh, Verse number 10, let me read you something. Matthew 3.10 says, And now also the axe is laid onto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. You know, judgment. Judgment, cutting down that tree. You know, yeah, don't you remember people say, Oh, man, I'm going to cut that guy down to size. Amen. So, um, let's go to verse 15. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Finish root. Well, if the stump is left, there's a chance of life. You see? There's a chance of life. And that's what you find out in Isaiah about the Lord. Isaiah chapter 11, verse number 1, talking about the Lord. 11.1 says, and there shall come forth a rod out of the 
stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Well, they're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, you see? And so out of that, out of that crucifixion, that death, comes life, you see? And so if there's a stump left in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, you know, it's got a, a stump and a root. So there's a chance that it'll lift. And it says a band of iron and brass bind it together. You know, keep it from rotting. That's what happens. That's why you see sometimes some of these old uh, homes out in the in the uh, in in the wooded area in in in, the, in farmland, and you'll see a tree cut down and a band of you know around it. The idea is to keep it from rotting, but it's also a picture of a binding, like a shackle. You know. Nebuchadnezzar, you know, Nebuchadnezzar is going to be cut down and bound and not loosened until God allows him to be loosened. And so God leaves the stump. And the reason why he's doing that, he's giving Nebuchadnezzar another chance. Verse 16 in chapter 4 says, let his heart be changed from man's and let a beast's heart be given unto him and let seven times pass over him. So He's going to be changed, and he's going to become, you know, like an animal. And seven times is going to pass over him. And that seven being the number of completion. Seven times, seven years, seven times equals seven years. And this makes Nebuchadnezzar a type of the Antichrist. Remember, he he has seven years, the Antichrist, three and a half years of peace, three, right? and three and a half years bad tribulation. So the Antichrist is described as a beast. And the scripture says, and let a beast's heart be given to him. You know, that's that's called lycanthropy. Lycanthropy. That's what we call a wolf man. It's, a, it's an insanity where a person thinks that he's a beast. Lycanthropy. And it comes from the word lucas, wolf, and anthropos, man. Wolfman, you see. Uh, verse 17. This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth, to, giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basis of men. All right? To the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. Look at verse 25 with me. That they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And they shall make thee eat grass as an oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven. And seven times shall pass over thee till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. You know, that's, that's interpretation. And then you get in, down there to verse 32. He says, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And they say, you know, and he said, repeats it. So God tells Nebuchadnezzar three times that, that he wants, you know, God wants him to know something. And setteth up over the beasts of men. In other words, God's going to give the people a ruler over them that they deserve. Go to John chapter 19. 
the gospel. You know, I said that last time we spoke, that God appoints the rulers over people whom the people deserve. Israel get away from God, and, and he'd give them a bad king. And and then when they got right, he gave them a good king, like Josiah. And they get right. You see? And in America, who do we have? Yeah, okay. Uh, John 19, verses 8 to 11. Scripture says, When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again into the judgment hall, and said unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speaketh thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? And Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it was given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivereth me unto thee, he has the greater sin. Okay, see, Pilate has no power, but the power that God allows him to have. Verse 18, Daniel 4. This dream I, Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now thou, O Belshazzar, remember he's talking to Daniel, Declare the interpretation thereof, for as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to, they're not able, they're not able. Why aren't they able? Well, because it, it, this is from God, and those wise men don't have the power, you see? For as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known unto me the interpretation, but thou art able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in thee. See, Nebuchadnezzar says, my people can't do it, but you can, because the spirit of the holy gods is in thee. You see? And, and, and so, you know, it's the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is really not known. The doctrine of the person of the Holy Spirit is really not known in the Old Testament. And that's why a Jehovah Witness doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit as a person. You know, you'll find often in the Old Testament the word spirit, capital S, and sometimes it's not capitalized. And it's not until the New Testament that the doctrine of the Holy Spirit as a person becomes revealed. However, in the, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is understood. It, it's seen as an influence and not a person. You see, uh, Saul, the Holy Spirit came upon Saul, and God took the Holy Spirit from Saul, because in the Old Testament, men were not sealed by the Holy Spirit. You know, you look at Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, talking to a Christian, you see, uh, you, you, you have to know how to rightly divide the Word of God. 2 Timothy two fifteen. study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of God. And if you can't rightly divide this word of God, you're in trouble. Because you'll think everything applies to you. But Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay? So I got my salvation by the gift of God, right? And then uh, the Bible says that we're sealed until the day of redemption. And so in the Old Testament, a person was not sealed with the Holy Spirit. He was not, he, he was known 
and to come on to a person like Saul and being taken away. And so, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, he's a polytheist, okay, because he believes in more than one God. He says the spirit of the holy gods is with him. You know, he's a polytheist. And even though he's a polytheist, he knows that there's a difference between holy gods and unholy gods. And he knows and he knew there was evil and good spirits that are greater than men. And he's calling them gods. He doesn't understand about angels. Now look at verse 19. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for one hour, and his thoughts troubled him. The king spake and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. And Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, the dream be to them that hate thee, and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. You know, he was astonished. He was struck dumb with sudden fear, you see, or, or with terror or surprise or wondered. We say, oh, man, I was astonished, you know. And the, and the dream, he says, is to them that hate thee and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies, to Nebuchadnezzar's enemies. And what Daniel's saying is, <laughs> you know, this dream, uh, it's not on your side but it's on your enemies. And, uh, you know, may it happen to your enemies and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies, you see. You know, Absalom had the same kind of thing. You let all your enemies be like Absalom, dead, you know. But uh, chapter 4, verse 20 says, And the tree that thou sawest which grew and was strong, whose height reacheth unto the heaven, and the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves were fair, was meat for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their habitation. Verse 22, it is thou, it's you, Nebuchadnezzar, it is thou, O king, that art grown and become strong, for thy greatness is grown, and reacheth unto heaven, and thy dominion to the end of the earth, all right? The tree's you. It's your kingdom. It's you. For the greatness is grown and reaches onto heaven, he tells them. You know, it's an expression denoting that he has great authority, Nebuchadnezzar, and a dominion to the end of the earth. And that's the extent to the world, the then known world, where the earth ends and the ocean begins, you know? And Verse 23, and whereas the king saw a watcher and a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, hew the tree down and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let his portion be with the beasts of the field. Seven times pass over him. You see, you know, one thing about God, God always warns a man before he brings a judgment upon him. And we're going to see that. We get to verse 25 and 26. And God's given Nebuchadnezzar a warning. Men, 
peoples. Listen, God warned Noah there was going to be a flood. 120 years they had to repent, and they didn't. Jonah. He told Jonah, go on up there and tell them people in the Nebbe, I'm going to destroy them. John the Baptist. Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent comes down to you and I. You know, go over to Acts 17. Listen, we're not only talking doctrinal teaching and sound doctrine broadcast. I'll give you some practical, too. You need practical teaching. Also, how, how do I apply this book to my life? It's not, it's not all just a doctrinal teaching. But in Acts chapter 17, look at verse 30 and 31. I'm getting there with you. Times of this ignorant God winked at, but now commanded all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has ordained, whereof he has given assurance unto all men, in that he has raised him from the dead. He's given him a warning. Listen, I raised my son from the dead. Judgment's coming. Get saved. Get saved. You keep telling people, get saved. You need to get saved. We're in the end time. You need to get saved. Why do you want to go to hell? Well, I'll do it when I'm all straightened out. Yeah, when you're all straightened out, when you're in the casket, that's when you're going to come to church. You know, cut it out. God's given warnings. An amazing thing that God is so kind. And he gave us a book to know. And you know what? He says, I warned you. You got street preachers. You got TV preachers. You got radio teachers. You got gospel preachers. You got churches. You got missions. I'm giving you a warning. Repent and be saved. I'm not saying all them TV evangelists are right. I, I've yet to see very many that are, aren't uh, selling you some snake oil. Uh, chapter 4, verse 25. Daniel. For he says, this is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, in verse 24, which is come upon my Lord, the king, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And they shall make thee eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whosoever he will. Listen, he's not talking to Israel, my friends, in the United States and around the world. He's talking to Nebuchadnezzar, a Gentile king. And the Bible says that God gives the kingdoms to whomsoever he will. Now, oxen is a type of the devil because the cattle in Genesis 3.14 and oxen is a cherub. Okay? In in Ezekiel one ten you find an ox, a man, a lion, right? He's got a head as a man, a lion, an ox, and an eagle. And then Ezekiel ten fourteen, they all match up. 
the face of a man, the face of a lion, the face of an eagle, the face of a cherub. You see, a cherub is an ox. Okay, now, look. Go there with me because I don't want you to be confused. Confusion is not of God. And I'd be a, a terrible teacher if I didn't take you there and, and show you what I'm talking about. Okay, because, you know, some people got this idea that Satan is an angel. He is not an angel. He is a cherub. Okay, look at Ezekiel chapter 1, verse number 10. All right, as for the likeness of their faces, they forehead the face of a man, the face of a lion on the right side, and they forehead the face of an ox on the left side, and they fore also had the face of an eagle. Okay, now look at Ezekiel ten fourteen. And every one had four faces. The first face was like the face of a cherub. You got that? Now listen, he didn't say an ox, but that's what he's saying. Because when he gave you the four faces, he told you one was an ox, one was a lion, one was an eagle, one was a man. Now he's telling you, look it, and everyone had four faces. The first was the face of a cherub. The second, the face, second face was the face of a man. The third face was the face of a lion. The fourth was the face of an eagle. All right? The face of a ox, that's the cherub. And everyone had four faces. The first was the face of an ox. So a cherub, okay, and he's telling you that here. Oxen are a type of the devil and a cherub. And it, and, 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 and uh, you have a, a man, a lion, an eagle, an ox. They all match up. And, and look at Ezekiel 28 now. Let, let's settle this now, because there's many of you out there who just think Satan's an angel, because Corinthians says that he appears as an angel of light. And so you think he's an angel. He's an evil angel, so he's going to appear as an angel. No. No. Who's teaching you the Bible? Ezekiel 28, 14. Talking about Lucifer. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. And so all you folks out there saying, well, you know, and I deal, I got a prison ministry, and I deal with guys that tell me, well, if I, you know, I grew up in a bad environment, and so I'm, a, I'm a product of my environment. Oh, baloney. Covering cherub over the throne of God, grew up in a perfect environment, created into it. But where was sin? It was found in his heart, not in his environment. So don't blame your environment. Blame your heart. Well, I didn't have the chance. Other people have. Blame your heart. Not saying there are people that don't have great chances in life. But don't blame the evil upon your circumstances. You can make choices. Okay? You got what I said here now? Are you listening to what I said about it? Ezekiel twenty-eight fourteen. 
if you read the passage, you see, and you'll find out in verse 13, thou hast been in the garden of Eden. Every precious stone was thy cover, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold, the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And I have set thee so, God tells him. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Now listen, I know he's addressing the king of Tyre, but he's not addressing the king of Tyre as a person. He's saying that's Lucifer's behind that, king of Tyre. And so here you have, over the throne of God, this magnificent creation that God created. He had a covering, geological covering, of stones, and he went over the throne, and when the glory of God, the Shekinah, Shekinah glory of God shined, it shined through those stones, and the, the, the glory, light, and that's why Lucifer's name meant light bearer. But you see, it says he was a cherub, not an angel. The reason why he appears as an angel of light is because angels in the Bible always appear as men. And they don't have wings. Christ shows up. Stop looking for some little guy dressed in a red suit with a red tail and a pitchfork. He's going to show up as a man. Amen. So, boy, you get excited, Pastor. Yeah, well, if you don't get excited, there's something wrong with you. Amen. You start preaching this gospel, you'll see some people get excited. Say, I shut up. Amen. Kenezer's lesson. This is the lesson. So thou knowest that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. So God's bringing judgment on him. See, Nebuchadnezzar got prideful. He thought he was all that. And I got a warning for the United States of America. Y'all need to stop pushing this dividing Israel into a two-state. Because God gives a fair warning about people who divide his land. And he will bring judgment against those who do it. Petition or, you know, you're a Christian. Better write your congressman and tell him. You better cut that out. Bring judgment on us. Nebuchadnezzar's lesson, till thou knowest that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth to whomsoever he will. Let's look at verse 26. And whereas they commanded, when whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee, after that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. You see? The equality the heavens, they're equating the heavens to God or the hierarchy that rules this earth is in the heavens. And it means that God rules the word, the world by something that is in heaven. Uh, go to Isaiah 24 with me, please. Isaiah 24, verse 21. You know, Isaiah is a mini Bible. 
There are 66 chapters. In the 40th chapter of Isaiah, you find John the Baptist. In the 40th book of the Bible, you find John the Baptist. Amen. 66 books to your Bible, 66 books to Isaiah. Now, look here at, uh, oh, verse 21, 24-21. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high and the kings of the earth upon the earth. You see? And so there are, there are, there's, there are rulers in heaven, the host of the high ones. Remember, Revelation 12, 7, there's war in heaven. And you and I as Christians, take heed. A lot of the stuff that's going around you, this is a spiritual war. You think you think it's all of the flesh. And, oh, you know, there, there's something behind it. You need to look at this. When something happens in your life, you need to stop and say, what what's the spiritual implication here? Is this from God or is this from something evil? Ephesians 6.12 says, for we wrestle, talking to Christians, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. See, it's not against man but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Verse 27, Daniel 4, 27. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be accepted unto thee. This is Daniel talking to Nebuchadnezzar. And break off thy sins by righteousness and thine iniquities by shewing mercy to the poor if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. See, see, Nebuchadnezzar is not saved. And Daniel doesn't say you need to get saved. He says you need to look ahead, cross. See, he's telling them because, you know, listen, in the age of grace, everybody's got to get saved at the cross. But a Gentile's responsibility during this, the dispensation of the law, the Jews under faith plus works. A Gentile doesn't have the same responsibility as a Jew. He doesn't have all the law. But he does have the law written on his heart, you see. He doesn't have the same light. He doesn't have the same responsibility as a Jew in the Old Testament. However, he has God's law written on his heart. He gets he gets right by words, too. He tells Nebuchadnezzar to break off thy sins by righteousness and iniquities by shewing mercy to the poor than by doing right. God wants the wicked to forsake his way. Tranquility, he tells them. You know, and then you're going to find tranquility. Tranquility means a calm state, freedom from disturbance or agitation, a sense of peace and quiet. It has Latin roots, meaning trans. Tranquility, trends exceedingly. Rest, quiet. Verse 28. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 29. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. At the end of 12 months. So God gave Nebuchadnezzar a whole year to think it over. A whole year. And oh yeah, you know, People do that too. Oh, I got to go to church. I got to read my Bible. Well, you know, God's long-suffering, friends. And if you've been procrastinating on the Lord, 
You need to confess it. 1 John 1, 9. Go to the Lord. He's righteous to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So for 12 months, Nebuchadnezzar is walking around knowing this dream. All right? And said, is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? Pride. You know God hates pride. Oh, pride is what caused Satan to fall. Five times he said, I will. I will be like the Most High. I will rise above the Most High. I will, I will, I will. No, you won't. God said, you're going to be cast into hell. And here's Nebuchadnezzar. He thinks he's somebody because he's got money. He's got jewels. He's got a kingdom. He's got power. He thinks he's somebody. That, That made him somebody. He's got pride. The king spake and said, is not this great Babylon? He's probably standing, you know, looking out the window. And the hanging gardens that he made for his wife are there. And this magnificent Babylon This I have built the house of the kingdom by my might and my power for the honor of my majesty. Really, he's got pride. And that's the whole problem with him. He's prideful. And, you know, pride will harden the mind and the heart of a man. Lord, have mercy. It's not this great Babylon, he says. It's not this great Babylon. He's a fool. I did it. See? Everything Nebuchadnezzar got, God gave him. In Jeremiah 27, Jeremiah 27, Five to seven. Listen to what it says in the scriptures. I made the earth, the man and the beast that are upon the ground, by my great power and by my outstretched arm, and have given it unto whom I seen meet unto me. And now I have given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. And the beasts of the field have I given him also to serve him. And all nations shall serve him and his son and his son's sons until the very time of his land come. And then many nations and great nations shall serve themselves on him. That was a prophecy against Nebuchadnezzar. But God said everything Nebuchadnezzar got, he gave him. Nebuchadnezzar is God's servant in the sense that God uses Nebuchadnezzar to bring judgment upon Israel. And then what he say? He's going to judge Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom with other nations. Verse 31. It's 8 o'clock. I'm sorry. I got to stop. We'll stop at verse 31. We'll pick it up. Then we're going to pick up and find out the lessons from, from the Nebuchadnezzar's experience. So in concluding, uh, I pray that God has blessed you the Lord would watch over you, and that the things that were spoken here, uh, that you would take into heart, and that you would, uh, that God would bless you, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Bless this listening audience. Give them strength, courage, wisdom, and knowledge. Bring to mind throughout the week until we meet on Tuesday night at seven o'clock, Lord willing. Finish off chapter four and move on. 
that these things would resonate this by people's heart if anybody's not saved to call upon the name of Jesus Christ and get saved. Repent, tell God you're sorry, and get saved. Tell God, put your faith in Jesus Christ. Tell the Lord, I believe Jesus died for me, was buried, resurrected the third day, and is now at the right hand of the kingdom. And God, I'm sorry for my sins and my pride. And I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I'm going to put my faith in him. Amen. All right, you have a good night. God bless you. All right, everybody. And I'll wrap it up there for Dr. Peter Ventura on Restoring Our Republic and his uh, book there, his teaching of Daniel. And, uh, you know, and uh, a couple couple things there. I did disagree with him on his theology there, a couple things there, but, uh, but we're not going to get into a discussion on that, I don't think, right now. Uh, but maybe later on or maybe next show on Tuesday, I took down some notes. So a couple things where Bible verses I cross-referenced with. So anyway, but um, – Anyway, uh, again, I want to recap, too, also what we covered uh, last, last show also about the Federal Reserve. And uh, if anybody's noticed, the Federal Reserve is going to be raising interest rates. So uh, <laughs> let me tell you, they raise them again. You wait till you see the inflation and the high prices that are going to be taken off on for you guys. So, you know, but people, you know, they, you just, look, it's up to you. It's up to you to uh, put a stop to this. Only you can put a stop to this. You know, you stop shopping for the cell phones, stop buying the laptops, stop buying the car parts, stop worrying about going out to the movies, and start, you know, maybe not participate in a little civil disobedience. Because they're going to run us right into World War III, okay? I mean, and uh, Joe Biden's not going to save you. Donald Trump's not going to save you either, okay? So everyone thinks Donald Trump's going to save you. He's going to ride down from the mountains, you know, in November, and, and everything's going to be okay, <laughs> I don't think we're going to make it to the elections. But uh, let's see, uh, news today, news. Uh, anyone paying attention to the news? Uh, Russia, China uh, have uh, de- uh, pledged their support for Hamas. That was uh, three hours ago, openly. Three hours ago, they pledged their support openly for Hamas. So uh, the stage is getting set there for that. For that. So um, let me pause this here real quick here. Go ahead and get to switch over here. Okay, um, let me check. We'll get to this news, that news for you, that news story here real quick. Because this is very important. Bre- uh, breaking, breaking. Hezbollah declares war on the United States. That has that was uh, that was uh, that's breaking news right there. That's breaking news. That's on. You'll get that on alternative media. You won't get it on probably on Fox or CNN right now. You'll get that probably next week sometime. They'll tell you about it. Um. Uh, bombshell Trump issues emergency martial law, martial law dictatorship warning. Um, rise of the leftist dictatorship in America will lead a global collapse. Jihadist militants flooding U.S. border as Biden sends military resources overseas. Okay. Exclusive mug club sneak peek. How the CIA steals your reality. Uh, suspect flees home uh, to China after fatal drunk crash at 100 miles an hour in Seattle. How about that one, huh? Uh, Supreme Court to review Trump-era bump stock ban. A big deal, bump stocks. Jeez, they make seven different types of them. <laughs> Who cares? They, you know, they only want them they want to ban. Um, they keep you distracted over nonsense. Judge orders new primary election in Connecticut's largest city after Dems caught stuffing ballot box. <laughs> How about that one, huh? Right, Peter didn't tell me about that one. I wonder why. I uh, probably didn't hear about it yet. 
Fed keeps its finger on the pause button for now. Fed induced neutral interest rate is in contradiction in terms. All right, let's see. World War Three is inevitable. Every time economies falter, the globalists plunge the world into catastrophic war, right? Right? Just look at history. History repeats itself. So those are the leading stories on the alternative media stages out there. Um, uh, let's see here. We got, I think we got one more here that I, put, I missed, actually. Um, let me see. Uh, oh, boy. I missed it. I had it right there. It had to do with Israel, too, I think. Um, oh, Friday War Room. Uh, U.S. House passes $14.5 billion military aid package for Israel as Senate leader vow, vow that Senate leaders vow uh, to uh, f- uh, try to stop it. All right, uh, but anyway, um, let's see here. Uh, you know, this is very important. This World War Three scenario. I mean, you know, just think last year at this time. Were we talking about this? Were we discussing this last year? See how much things have changed. Just imagine next year what the stage is going to be like. Pope Francis calls for two-state solution. I think Peter was talking about that, the two-state solution there earlier. Uh, African state could make having ties with Israel high treason. Russia to deliver 28 tons of aid to people in Gaza. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't see why that's a story. There's nothing wrong with that. They want to deliver aid. Nothing wrong with that at all. You know, um, you know, nothing wrong with supporting the innocent people that are, you know, that people are hungry. Nothing wrong with, you know, as long as you're not giving them weapons. Um, let's see here. Uh, who was? Well, I, I, no, no, I knew I missed a couple stories, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We kind of, you know, you know Peter was that close to getting done. Um, uh, shock video. Soldiers sit on Texas container wall as child crawls through razor wire feet away. <laughs> DeSantis to MSNBC Trump should not be a GOP nominee if he's convicted <laughs> boy they don't want him in there though. I'll tell you that oh man let's see what else we got Sanctuary Nation Dems mayors beg Biden for 5 billion as the illegal immigrant immigration crisis intensifies RFK Jr. discusses trips on Jeffrey Epstein's Lolita Express private jet Green Beret, Tim Kennedy says terror attack could soon hit America, echoing recent Alex Jones warning. All right, guys, so those are the stories right there. Um, I, I mean, I just don't know what 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 is out there that you know uh, that could shock anybody anymore. Is there, is there anything other than a nuclear warhead hitting the uh, Capitol? I mean, is there anything that could shock anybody? Um, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, let's read this. A lot of people were listening from Connecticut. I know I know they all hightailed it out of here real quick as soon as Peter was done. Damn, Friday night, you know. I'm out of there. So, uh, I mean, as soon as he's done, those phone lines hang up. So, But I got my crew on here. So uh, let's see here. Let's read the Connecticut story here real quick. Um, Bridgeport, Connecticut, the largest city in the state, has, has had its Democrat mayoral primary election overturned by a judge after supporters of a candidate were caught illegally stuffing a ballot box. Surveillance footage obtained by Democrat mayoral candidate John Gomes showed the vice chair of the Bridgeport Democratic Town Committee and a former city council member stuffing ballot drop boxes with votes in favor of the incumbent Democrat mayoral candidate Joe Gannon. Hey, Joe Gannon's still up there in Connecticut? He's still up there, that criminal? That criminal is still up here running uh, – he's in political office. Didn't he go to prison too? Joe Gannon, that guy was a big-time criminal. 
Wow. I didn't know he was, I didn't know that story was about him. Huh. Gannon previously served, yeah, yeah, Gannon previously served seven years in prison for corruption during his tenure as mayor and has been repeatedly reelected after being released from custody. <laughs> Gomes released the security camera footage earlier this week after losing the election. And that just goes to show you, my, I remember my, my, uh, my father used to tell me, you know, or, uh, you know, the more you, you you screw people over, the more they they love it. They love it, you know. They just love it, you know. Like the Federal Reserve, you, people love money. They like getting, you know, getting, you know, screwed over. I mean, it just seems like people love it. You ever go to the like? I'll be standing in line in a bank, getting ready to deposit my check years ago. I remember. And, you know, especially around the holiday time, you see all the old ladies bringing the Christmas gifts into the bankers. You know, coming in with nice Christmas gifts for them and everything. Thanks, Brad, for ripping me off for the last 10 years. You know, I mean, they they love it. They love it. <laughs> you know, thanks for stealing my money and paying for abortions in my in my community with my with your fractional reserve banking system. Thank you. <laughs> I got to get off the church, Brad. <laughs> Don't make sense, does it? Um, let's see here. Yeah, that's true. Somebody just sent me a message right there. Yeah. Fraction reserve. Yes, banks, the bankers' money. Again, again, so just so you know, again, because you just made a comment here. Somebody just sent me a message. No. Tax dollars do not pay. Okay? Your taxes do not pay for the roads. They don't pay for the police cars. They don't pay for the fire trucks. They don't pay for anything. Your taxes pay the interest, okay, on the debt base notes that are lent to your treasury department, okay, by the private banking cartels. That's called central banks. Ours is the Federal Reserve, okay? Fact. Fact. It's a fact. Go If you, anyone can disprove me on that, I would love to hear it. So, because I know for a fact I'm right. Years and years and years I have studied the Federal Reserve and the New World Order. And I know how they work. I know how they operate. I don't know everything. I'm not God. I would never declare myself to be God. I would never claim I know everything. But I know a lot about that subject. And there's not many people who are going to disprove me about these types of subjects uh, when it comes to the New World Order. It's not going to happen. Um, I've been talking about this stuff for years. The only thing I can't figure out yet is why they haven't implemented the Real ID Act. So, I mean, why they haven't really, you know, like pushed, pushed it. I mean, back in 2005, they introduced it, and uh, it's it's like they, you know, um, it's, it's like they forgot, they forget about it, you know, and then they bring it back. Matter of fact, let me play something on that real quick. I, I used to play this as an intro all the time about the Real ID Act and everything. Anybody who wants to comment or got something they want to talk about, a story they want to bring up, you guys want to talk about your uh, geopolitical stuff or whatever, what do you want to do? Just uh, press one six five seven three eight three zero six one six. I'm going to play this, right? I play this as the intro all the time, but this is how far back it goes, back in 2005, uh, the real idea. Let me play this real quick. Anybody wants to press 1, it's your chance to call in, so. And if anybody wants to protest what we do or violate what we want, we just turn off that chip. That's right, microchip. In 2005, Congress, under the pretense of immigration control and the so-called war on terrorism, passed the Real ID Act, under which it is projected by May 2008, you will be required to carry around a federal identification card, which includes on it a scannable barcode with your personal information. 
However, this barcode is only an intermediary step before the card is equipped with a Verichip RFID tracking module, which will use radio frequencies to track your every move on the planet. If this sounds foreign to you, please note that the RFID tracking chip is already in all new American passports. And the final step is the implanted chip, which many people have already been manipulated into accepting under different pretenses. We have a Florida family who are really pioneers in a brave new world. They have volunteered to be the first ever to have microchip identification devices implanted into their bodies. After 9-11, I was really concerned um, with the security of my family. I wouldn't mind having something planted permanently in my arm that would identify me. In the end, everybody will be locked into a monitored control grid where every single action you perform is documented. And if you get out of line, they can just turn off your chip. For at that point in time, every single aspect of society will revolve around interactions with the chips. This is the picture that is painted for the future if you open your eyes to see it. A centralized one-world economy where everyone's moves and everyone's transactions are tracked and monitored, all rights removed. The most incredible aspect of all. These totalitarian elements will not be forced upon the people. The people will demand them. For the social manipulation of society through the generation of fear and division has completely detached humans from their sense of power and reality. A process which has been going on for centuries, if not millennia. Religion, patriotism, race, wealth, class, and every other form of arbitrary separatist identification, thus conceit, has served to create a controlled population, utterly malleable in the hands of the few. Divide and conquer is the motto. And as long as people continue to see themselves as separate from everything else, they lend themselves to being completely enslaved. The men behind the curtain know this, and they also know that if people ever realize the truth of their relationship to nature and the truth of their personal power, the entire manufactured zeitgeist they prey upon will collapse like a house of cards. The whole system that we live in drills into us that we're powerless, that we're weak, that our society is evil, that it's private, etc. and so forth. It's all a big fat lie. We are powerful, beautiful, extraordinary. There is no reason why we cannot understand who we truly are, where we are going. There is no reason why the average individual cannot be fully empowered. We are incredibly powerful beings. Now, I think I spent 30 years of my life, in the first 30, trying to become something. I wanted to become good at things. I wanted to become good at tennis. I wanted to become good at school and grades and, and everything I kind of viewed in that perspective. I'm not okay the way I am, but if I got good at things, I realized that I had the game wrong. The game was to find out what I already was. Find out what I already was. Now, in our culture, we've been trained for individual differences to stand out. 
So you look at each person, immediately it is brighter, dumber, older, younger, richer, poorer, and we make all these dimensional dis distinctions, put them in categories and treat them that way. And we get so that we only see others as separate from ourselves in the ways in which they're separate. And one of the dramatic characteristics of experience is being with another person and suddenly seeing the ways in which they are like you, not different from you. And experiencing the fact that, that which is essence in you and which is essence in me is indeed one. The understanding that there is no other. It is all one. And I wasn't born Richard Albert, I was just born as a human being. And then I learned this whole business of who I am and whether I'm good or bad or achieving or not, all that's learned along the way. The old appeals to racial, sexual, religious chauvinism, to rabid nationalist fervor are beginning not to work. A new consciousness is developing which sees the earth as a single organism and recognizes that an organism at war with itself is doomed. like a ride in an amusement park and when you go on it you think it's real because that's how powerful our minds are and the ride goes up and down and round and round it has thrills and chills and it's very brightly colored and it's very loud and it's fun for a while some have been on the ride for a long time and they begin to question is this real or is this just a ride and other people have remembered and they come back to us and they say hey don't worry don't be afraid ever because this is just a ride. And we kill those people. Shut him up. I've got a lot invested in this ride. Shut him up. Look at my furrows of worry. Look at my big bank account and my family. This has to be real. It's just a ride. But we'll kill those good guys and try and tell us that. You ever notice that? And let the demons run amok? But it doesn't matter. Because it's just a ride. And we can change it anytime we want. It's only a choice. No effort, no work, no job, no savings of money. Just a choice right now between fear and love. knowledge, you know, trying to make, make yourself smarter, trying to understand people and everything, but, you know, in reality, you know, they we're no better off than we were a thousand years ago, 
you know, <laughs> I mean, when you really think about it. We're still just as uh, carnal, evil, willing to kill each other over so, uh, even more more uh, unrealistic things and notions and have forcing people how to believe and what to think and, and, and how to walk and how to, how to dress. I mean, it, it, way more even than we were back years ago. So, you know, have we really grown in our knowledge or, yeah, you know, or become more sophisticated? I think with all the show, I think the show has, has where we're, we dress neater, we walk a little more upright, and, you know, where we think we're more, more uh, uh, intelligent. But, but thinking and knowing and doing is a big, diff, big, big, big difference. So, uh, like I said, like I remember the original comment, I don't think we're better off than we were because, man, it's just, just as evil, just as hateful. And, uh, you know, and again, like I started off here, we're heading right into World War Three. Can we stop it? Can we divert it? Can, what, I mean, people say no, but at the same time, what are we doing out there? What are we doing to, to uh, help out our fellow brothers and sisters out there? What are we doing to, uh, uh, you know, talk about uh, certain situations instead of I, – I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's, it's – it just seems like nobody's getting involved anymore. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to put get their hands dirty. Everyone's waiting for the next guy to make the move, and that's not good enough. That's not going to cut it. You know, we all have to participate and be activists out there. Activism is the key. Activism is to change the things that we see. Uh, you know, I just don't see any of that happening today. I see people. Uh, you know, they'll they'll. Like I said, they'll, they'll parade up and down in the middle of the street for a gay guy who uh, got beat up at a bar. But for children that are being slaughtered over in the Middle East, whether they're Jewish or whatever or whatever have you, nobody's going to do anything over here. You know, so it's just, I don't know. It's so backwards. The world is so backwards. And and do the bankers know something that we don't? Do we need a World War Three to cleanse this earth of a lot of people that don't really need to be here with us? You know, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, I I'm not supporting war, I'm not supporting death, but if this was God's plan, nothing happens unless Peter said nothing happens unless God allows it to happen. So if He's allowing this stuff to happen, then <laughs> I don't know, you know. So that's what I got on that. Um, anyway, let me check the phone boards here. Uh, go over to my screen here. 657-383-0616. Press the number one, and uh, we'll get you on the uh, platform here and talk, and talk live here. All right. Uh, let's see here. We had I had a couple hands up earlier, but they, they must have dropped during that presentation there. Okay, so they dropped. Okay, no big deal. All right, I had Ron Reck there in the chat room. Uh, Ron Reck must have left. All right. So he does a show, Crazy Nation, late late at night. Um, so hello, Ron, if you're still listening. Um, and a couple other people in the chat. Um, a couple of they got out of there too. All right. So um, Peter, are you still there? Is there anything, anything, last words you want to mention or talk about here tonight before we wrap it up? I don't see for any, for any particular reason to carry on the show here. Um, any further? I mean, this is really your night, technically. Um, I'm going to head over to uh, Friday night. Oh, tonight is Conservative Nation Radio uh, with, uh, yeah, so um, I think I'll go over and listen to the, that podcast. Um, Peter, are you there? No? All right. You must not be there. All right. 
Uh, private caller. Let's take a private caller. Then. Go ahead. Just put his hand up. See, I'm fast on the lines tonight. Go ahead, private caller. Hey, just before you go off the air, I'm glad I caught you here, seeing as I'm about ready to go off the air. I didn't want to uh, oh. fill you in on the fact that, did you hear what happened in Connecticut and Maine? No, what? Well, guess what? A judge there has ruled in both states that uh, there had to be a new election based upon election fraud, and guess what the criteria that was used in the court proceeding to determine the reason for reversing the election and sending it back for a new one. The same techniques. Huh? Stuffing the ballot boxes, right? Yes. And and they cited (laughs) the same techniques that Dinesh D'Souza used in 2000 Mules with geofencing data from cell phone tracking correlating it with the surveillance cameras that were in the area and correlating the surveillance cameras with the persons who were doing the ballot box stuffing. Wow. And and look it up. It's in Connecticut and Maine. Uh, now, here's the thing. It was rats they did it for, demon rats. Demon rats made complaints oh, about unreal. it, and the judges found in favor of the demon rats. I guess a Republican can't get a hearing, but a demon rat can. But that's not really the main point. The point is, is that they these courts ruled there was sufficient election fraud to change the outcome of an election. That's the main thing. That is. And that's what all we've been doing, and Joe, all they've been doing since we've been complaining about 2020 is ridiculing us for daring to bring it up and even putting us in jail. Amazing, but but okay. So what what this case in Connecticut? What's going to come of it? Well, again, uh, in Maine, the judge ordered a new election, uh, a new what? primary election. The fraud, the fraud was revealed to have been in the primary election, so the judge is ordering a new primary election. But the regular elections coming up in two weeks. I don't know how they're going to do, deal with this thing logistically, but that's what the judge has ordered. <laughs> you know that's the thing. Uh, it's, it's really quite amazing. Even if nothing, look, Joe. Even if nothing else comes of it, the point of it is, is that in an adversarial proceeding in court, this is the significance of it. In an adversarial proceeding at court, a judge ruled there was election fraud that was outcome determinative, and ordered a new proceeding to correct it. That's the point. Mm. All right. Yeah, I think I read that story actually. Yeah, I did read that story on top of the hour actually. I read it here on on, on the show. So yeah, I didn't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's in Connecticut and Maine. Oh my goodness. Well, I know they want to lock me up, so they'll lock me up and throw me in jail too, like Trump. <laughs> you know, oh, they don't want to election 
and he put that up as a really? meme across the internet, that federal prosecutors have now got him convicted and sentenced to jail for election interference. It was a joke. Wow. Well, I you know. Sorry. You haven't you, you heard about that? No, I didn't know nothing about that, but I'll tell you what. Oh, hey, he's doing seven what. months in the federal county, man. But was, was he a candidate? Was he a candidate? No, was he, he was candidate? just a guy on the internet, man. He, he, he was a, you know, he, he, I think he had a, a internet website or something. Uh, on tw- How on could you Twitter go to jail something like that? You, you, you tell me. I don't know. You tell me, because I don't know. I don't know how Where was you stand up on a field. That's a, yeah, appeal. Not that. Two years later, after he's already, you know, I mean, after he's already been yeah, out of jail, he's The problem that the Fed got him prosecuted, they got him convicted in federal court of election interference, and he's doing time in seven months in the federal pokey for a joke, satire on the internet. Mm-hmm. There were actually people who made a complaint out. He lied upon the information he put in the joke to vote, and they used this as the basis to saying he violated his civil rights. I'm not kidding. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it, it, the, the people. But you see, I got one here that's uh, that's that that. <sighs> you know, people have got to stand up. They've got to. They've got to. Like I said, civil disobedience. I don't condone violence. I can't get out here and say, you know, shout that out, or they'll flashbang my house and I'll be sitting inside of, uh, the, you know, a Gitmo or something, you know. So, you know, um, or I'll be dead, one or the other. So, you know, but we have to have some sort of civil disobedience, something, you know, to where we have got to analyze the situation we're in and correct it. Because I don't think we're going to make it to the election, Sarge. I just don't think we're going to make it. I, I and we got World War Three. And <laughs> I, uh, Joe, I always tell you not to despair, but I can certainly understand why you feel that way. I truly do. Man, it's getting increasingly. <laughs> but uh, look, the reason I say that, Joe, is because I, look, I don't know if it's going to be enough. I'm not saying that it is, because at this point, I don't know. I know this yeah. though for certain. More people are awake, not woke, but awake to what is going on and feel the need to do something to correct it than, than was the case two and four years ago. More and more people are waking up to what's wrong. Now, will yeah. it be enough? I don't know. But I know one thing. It's not getting worse. Maybe the people that are opposed to us are becoming more fanatical. That's true. Yeah. They're becoming more fanatical yeah. and crazy. Look what's going on with these there's demonstrations in favor of Hamas and what they're doing here. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, this, this is almost approaching 1938 Kristallnacht in Germany. Yeah, I know. Dave was talking that about that. It's not quite night. there yeah. yet, but it's starting yeah. to look like it might. Yeah. Well, I mean, what we have to do is this, is, is that, look, <laughs> we have got to uh, – we I, I, we got to reverse it. We have to. We, we I just can't see my next door neighbors in my community allowing lawbreakers to continue doing what they're doing. We can't allow this. And in Connecticut, where that was caught, that 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 where this ballot uh, harvesting yeah. or uh, ballot box. But Joe, where you on. live, they're not doing it, Joe. 
They're doing it in these big blue cities where they oh, can no, out, they're breaking the law here, sorry. Great they're breaking unhindered. the law. They're not doing it. <laughs> they're not doing it in your town, Joe. They're doing it in these they're big blue the cities sorry. where they can operate without fear of reprisal. Sarge, they are breaking the law here. They're ro- the Republicans are are corrupt here. We got re- corrupt Republicans here. I mean, I'm not talking about when it comes well, to elections. You know, I'm talking about through oh, when it comes I to the judiciary. I see what you mean. Well, well, Joe, that's yeah. the normal corruption that we've been exposed to ever since I don't know the beginning of politics. I'm talking about <laughs> the, the, the public lawlessness, the mobbery, you know, the lynch yeah. mob atmosphere, you know, the the. The riotous behavior. Yeah, I agree with you about yeah, the way yeah. a lot of these yeah. Republicans act, sure. But I'm talking about the public lawlessness that gives rise to other things that are even worse. Well, sorry. These people, though, I mean, they, are they fed when they get in? You know, when I was elected? <laughs> I mean, are they, are they having, I guess, I don't know how to say it, actually. How, what, in your area, you're in the, the Georgia Southeast, well, I'll just say, or Georgia area. How is it looking for your yeah. area? That's a corrupt state, Georgia. I mean, how long is it looking for your area? Oh, it's, it's got its corruption. And, and, and I live in a county that's run by Democrats, but they're not insane, oddly enough. I mean, they're, they're, they're more left than I'd like. They're not with me philosophically. But they, they, yeah. they govern in a manner that, you know, doesn't interfere with me much. They're not unduly tyrannical. Taxes are relatively low. Public order is maintained. Yeah. All the infrastructure seems to work okay. I can't really complain yeah. that much about this bunch of Democrats that are governing me. Now, just a little bit of 20 miles away, this Fulton County, and it's every nightmare that I fear in government. Yeah. Where, of course, they're prosecuting Donald John Trump. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm afraid of. Thank you, George, as far as I'm concerned, for my individual situation. Like I said, I'm governed by Democrats in the county I'm in, but they're not crazy Democrats. At least right now, they're not crazy. Well, I asked uh, somebody today to be my campaign manager, so I don't know if he's going to respond or not. I don't know. I didn't check the response yet. I typed a message. So, so as I sign, I'm going to start putting out signs this weekend. Uh, well, I already put a few out already, but I'm going to put out about 150 signs this weekend and uh, uh, start posting them up and uh, putting putting my uh, what I stand for and what I um, what I support. Excuse me, what I what what I what I stand for and support and what I'm the key the the key points of what I stand for my the I guess you could say the, the uh well, let me get it out matter of fact these are the key issues that I um am uh I'm for right here this is my my basically my 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 staple shot uh, issues uh, number one medical freedom we believe that government and the private sector have no authority to make medical decisions for the North Carolina citizens and our children we believe individual body Autonomy is a fundamental and unalienable right endowed by us to us by the Creator. Number two, parents' rights. We believe that parents have the right to determine the curriculum and the cultural and moral values taught to their children in school, and parents alone should provide the final and unquestioned consent for any and all medical procedures, counseling, or therapy provided to their children by any institution or organization. Number three, education reform. We believe that parents should have the right to choose where their children are educated and should have the choice to direct their tax dollars to the educational um, 
uh, institution of their choice. Number four, sanctity of life. We believe that life begins at conception. There is one race, and, and we are all created in the image of God. As a result, we will passionately embrace all measures to reduce and restrict abortion, which is the killing of a child of the Creator, until this shame is permanently and forever abolished, and this sin upon the land is washed from the consciousness of the nation. Number five, religious freedom. We believe that the state has no right to limit, suspend, or prohibit the free exercise of religion services by executive order for any reason, and laws should be passed to restrain uh, uh, the overreach of government power to violate the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. The First Amendment is a sacred, unalienable right and must be protected by the full power of law. Any violation is, by definition, illegal and immoral. Number six, traditional family. We believe in a creator who created two genders from conception, which are male and female. We believe that marriage is the union of one man to one woman, and that marriage is a holy covenant between two people before God. Number seven, private property rights. We believe that a primary responsibility of government is to enforce the laws of the land and to protect private property rights of North Carolina citizens against illegal search, seizure, and damage. Number eight, pro-Second Amendment. We believe in the, the right of the people to keep and bear arms as promised to us in the Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, and that the government has no right to infringe upon the fundamental right of the people. Number nine, OSHA reform. We, the, we, the, we believe the federal, uh, that federal and state OSHA has no authority to mandate, discriminate against, or penalize any employer or employee for decisions made by employees about their uh, own health. Finally, number 10, legislative reform. We believe in the 10th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution that reserves all powers which are explicitly delegated to the federal government to the states and to the people. We believe that legislators have a responsibility to protect liberty and freedom as their first and highest responsibility and to reform all legislation that violates the U.S. and North Carolina constitutions and illegally infringes on the rights of the people. Those are my 10 uh, solid points that I uh, will be handing out to people and uh, basically running on. What do you think? Uh, I, how do I get to vote for you from Georgia? Is that legal? <laughs> well, then I take you to support them. All right, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could yeah, say man. that. Yes, uh, I could have written just so, about all of them myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of figured that you were kind of like on board with pretty much all of them. You know, I mean, I can't see you disagreeing with any of them, actually. <laughs> you know, no. so and uh, and and really, that's 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 what that those are what the if I can get those to stand. If I can get all the legislative and I can get the three branches of government to pretty much govern along those bases and those lines, we'll be obeying the Constitution and we'll fix everything around here. It'll be a good start. Now, there's a lot of other issues that need to be addressed, but if we can start with those ten, I believe it's a good start, you know? Well, that's always the problem, getting others to cooperate. Yeah, and that's, that's what politics are for. That's the basis of politics itself. Yeah. Yeah, well, we got Mark Walker. He's got a big mouth. I was listening to him on the radio this morning, and uh, you know, he uh, he sounds pretty much like what I'm talking about. So, I mean, he talks a good game, but we're gonna see when when he starts writing with that pen, 
you know, or signing things. We're going to see if he, if he, when he's elected, if he's elected as governor here in North Carolina, if he's going to own up to it. I mean, look, we're all not going to agree on every single issue pretty much. I mean, it's going to be disagreements. You know, I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, nobody's going to agree on everything. We just don't. We just don't, and we won't. And we won't. But the majority of what's important, like the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and 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 you know, understanding where we're at today, and and disagreeing with the Democrats like 192 percent of the time, <laughs> we all got to agree with, you know. <laughs> So, I mean, because I just can't see any issues that these people stand for that I could really stand and reach my hand across the aisle and say, let's work together. I mean, I really can't. I, I mean, they've really gone No, up. there, there isn't anything that we can agree with them. Yeah. No. I mean, well, there, there may be one or two things. Uh, certainly not with the leadership of the Democrat Party. Yeah. Maybe with some of the people who call themselves Democrats. But the leadership of yeah. the Democratic Party right now is anti-American, anti-liberty, mm-hmm. anti-Constitution. Anti best yeah. interest, national security interest of the United States is anti everything. Anti liberty. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think there's any compromising with this with this with this party whatsoever. I'm talking about its national policies, its intentions. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the way all these this Green New Deal of the uh, of the government is collapsing? It's collapsing yeah. right before our eyes. Yeah. They were trying to shoehorn us into an electrical vehicle. It is going belly yeah. up. It's, these companies are going bankrupt, and they're trying to do the same thing to the automakers. Now, Donnie has the show with the automakers coming on, and right now Ford yeah. just admitted they're losing over $39,000 per electrical vehicle that they sell, Thirty-nine, and that's with a $7,000 governmental subsidy. And they're losing 30, this is Ford, admitting to losing $39,000 per per electrical vehicle that they manufacture. Can't win like that, Sarge. Can't win like that. And this is all the result of governmental edicts from a senile, doddering old fool who is at his strings pulled by these these puppeteers behind the scenes. They just put words in his mouth, and he says them. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Let me ask you while I got you on here. Uh, uh, what's up with? I know you can't speak for him, but I know he's you're closer. You're closer to him than I am. What's up with Pianke? He's not sticking up for the Federal Reserve the other night. What's up with that? Um, <laughs> maybe he's sticking up for the the classical idea of what the Federal Reserve was in, originally intended to do, which you and I, of course, have suspicions about. But the purpose <laughs> of the Federal Reserve initially was to ensure stability of the dollar. Now, that was the reason yeah. it came into being, was ensure a stable dollar. Well, that's out the window. We got, that's yeah. why more and more countries are no longer considering retaining the dollar as the world's reserve currency, because it's unstable. Yeah. And it's become unstable due to monetary policies of the federal government. So what happened? Well, he knows this. The, the central bankers and the crimes they have committed against the people, there's no turning back now. <laughs> you know? Well, I might have missed what he said. Either. What did he say that was in defense of the Federal Reserve? 
Well, I said, well, someone, he met, someone made a comment about taxes. Uh, and, I, of course, you know, I always jump in there. Your taxes don't go where they think they go. And I told him, I said, the fractional reserve banking is the scheme of things with the banks, and that's how they destroy the economy. And he told me where he's from, the economy is doing good because they sold bonds. The taxpayers were able to buy bonds and sell oh, them back. Oh, I remember that. I remember that now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here's, here's <laughs> what I think I heard him say. And, again, I'm not a spokesman, so I'm not trying to speak for him at all. I think yeah, he's differentiating between activities of the federal government and the ability of local governments to float bond issues to finance okay. local projects. I think that's yeah. what he was. I think you and him were talking across purposes. That's what I really think happened. You yeah. two are well, we don't want any. Yeah. What the other one yeah. was trying to say. Don't want states getting involved with the Federal Reserve independently either. Yeah, he was talking about he was strictly you know? talking about things that yeah, but 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 Joe, he was talking about things that happen on a local and state level, which have yeah. nothing to do with the federal government. Really. Not really. No, I know that. Indirectly, I know that, maybe, but, I, but not yeah. not not certainly not directly. I know. I just don't want to see states get involved though with 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 the Federal Reserve or central bankers. Like, we have to get away from them. Far away, hey. and, and actually, most of them need to be put in jail. You know, so <laughs> hey, well, uh, the, the states can do just what the federal government do. They can ask their citizenry or anyone else in the in the country cares to buy. Uh, they can buy their debt a bond, which is their debt, and they give them interest on it later. That's what a municipal bond is. It's like a U.S. Yeah, but, bond. The only thing yeah, is, buying, but for yeah. the most part, for the most part, though, local a- jurisdictions and states have much better discipline when it comes to that than the federal government does. Yeah, but you're still buying the servitude of the people. You're buying the, you know, that's what you're buying. But Sarge, I'm going to get ready to head over to Conservative Nation Radio because I will support that show still. Uh, most of these shows I'm going to be stepping away from. I'm not going to be talking on them anymore because, they, you know, they're not coming over here supporting me, so I'm not going to support them. And I'm going to tell – and you know me. I bring crowds with me. I bring Mike from down in Florida, Taylor. Oh, I know. I know. You know, I, I, know, you know, I, I know. mean, I try to bring – you know, these people don't want to call in mine and support me. Then I'm, you know, they're going to see their call lines drop. They're, you know, they're sitting there no, with 10, yeah, I think you ought to, I think, you know, I think you ought to continue. I think you ought to continue to go over there because, after all, it's free advertising. I mean, you know, why not? Yeah, it's I know. Blue. I know. Going over there and make, and make yourself known, and you know people are here. They yeah. like what you have to say. They'll probably definitely come over to your show. I mean, you got nothing to lose. No, I know, I know. All right, Sarge, any last words there? We want to talk about the election stuff or what, real quick, or any last words? Well, there's a lot of I things like to talk about, but I'm not, I don't want to try to get started. I don't want to try to get started because I couldn't <laughs> finish it. But next time around, I will get back to it. All right then. All right, let me see if Doctor Ventura is there. Doctor Ventura, you got any last words here tonight? No. I don't know if he's there or not still. I, I see him on the phone line. So, all right. Well, I guess I'll play some. Uh, I don't know. They got mad at me for playing Ronald Reagan Sarge last time. They didn't like Ronald Reagan. I mean, you know, I got to play Ronald Reagan. That's all I got. Uh, you know? they, I think they might be viewing Ronald Reagan perhaps too establishment. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I got to do Ronald people Reagan. Start, I mean, you know, the, uh, even I though, I uh, remember, Ronald Reagan in his time was sustained by the establishment of the Republican Party. Remember what they called him, that amiable dunce? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, he was kind of the Donald <laughs> Trump of his time in a lot of ways. I know, I know, you know. But, well, except, right, well, he didn't have his, except he didn't have as many people of his own party against him as Donald Trump does. Yeah. 
All right, not for those many. of you listening, we're going to go over. Many. We're going to go over to uh, uh, Robert's show there, uh, Conservative Nation. He starts up here in about uh, ten minutes, so uh, right. I'll play some Ron Paul here at the end. Uh, Sarge, thanks for calling in and contributing. Appreciate it. All right, well, and, uh, I'll see you over there. I think I'll, 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 I'll right. tune in. I'll tune in over All there right. too. See you there. What if the American people woke up and understood that the official reasons for going to war are almost always based on lies and promoted by war propaganda in order to serve special interests? What if we as a nation came to realize that the quest for empire eventually destroys all great nations? What if the American people learned the truth? The FBI has foiled about 17 plots to kill Americans during the past 10 years. What it will not tell you is that there have been 20 foiled plots, and of them, three were interrupted by members of the public. The 17 that were interrupted by the feds were created by the feds. Why do we pay the government to trick us into believing it is keeping us safe? What if a government that manipulated us could be fired? What if a government that lacked the true and knowing consent of the governed could be dismissed? What if it were possible to have a real game changer? What if we need a Ron Paul to preserve and protect our freedoms from the government? What if we can make elections matter again? What if you could love your country but hate what the government has done to it? What if sometimes to love your country you had to alter or abolish the government? What if Jefferson was right? What if that government is best which governs least? What if I'm right? What if the government is wrong? What if it is dangerous to be right when the government is wrong? What if it is better to perish fighting for freedom than to live as a slave? What if freedom's greatest hour of danger is now? It's critical that every citizen of this country rise up and do something because the day of reckoning is at hand and time is running out. Unless we do something, um, we're going to get the government that we deserve. How did you let this happen? Wake up out there. You know, it's your children. Don't you care? Uh, look what these people are doing to you. There are 200 million adults in this country. Why we are letting them get away with what they are? Why we're not marching in the streets? Do everything in your power to restore freedom and your individuality back to America. Stop being a country run by the institutions for the institutions. Let's go back to we the people, by the people, for the people. You have to stop being scared. You have to stand up and do what's necessary to take back, to stop these bankers, these elite, this government full of lies, congressmen full of liars. And the Federal Reserve. And the fractional banking system. And the Fed. Elect Ron Paul and the war. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Don't give yourself to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourself to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts.
generation the likes that means we haven't seen make this an absolute fact. The goal is world peace. That must be our prime responsibility. We are the leader of the free world whether we want to be or not. And therefore we are the only ones that can preserve the peace. And to do that we must have strength. Meeting this mission is responsibility for preserving the peace which I believe is a responsibility peculiar to our country, that we cannot shirk our responsibility as the leader of the free world because we're the only one that can do it. We call us in television and radio dead air. God saved the republic. Our fathers appealed to heaven. What did heaven do? Heaven heard. Heaven heard. Our fathers said they would treat all men equal. When they did not, heaven saw, heaven saw. Our fathers fought each other and paid a great price. Father Abe kept the union, but not the republic. We forgot the republic and placed our trust in man and suffer oppression. We appealed to heaven. What did heaven do? Heaven heard. Heaven heard. God save the Republic. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade in downtown Dallas, the first reports say that President Kennedy has been seriously wounded by this shooting. It is a big idea. A new world order. It was almost as if it were a planned implosion. It just pancakes. Either you are with us, or you are with the terrorists. freedom. Mm-hmm. 